You're listening to audio from the archive of Highland Baptist Church. For more information about Highland, go to hbcwaco.org. We began a series a few weeks ago called The Conquerors, and it is a study from the book of Judges. We'll probably go through about the first six chapters or so, then we'll close it down and do Thanksgiving and do Christmas, and then it'll be a brand new year. And so we're walking through this series looking at the men and women of old who were conquerors in the Old Testament, that we might mimic some of the uh, characteristics in their lives, that we might mimic some of the principles in their lives, which gave them a spirit of being a conqueror. If you have some notes with you, you should find them inside the bulletin that you received when you walked in this morning. Kind of our tagline is simply this, all of us in this room will either be conquered by life this week, or we'll be conquerors in life through the power of God. It's probably true of every single person here this morning. You'll be conquered this week by stress, by your agenda, by the things of life, or as New Testament believers, you will realize that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. So we're going back to the Old Testament to learn some great thoughts of character, some great principles of what it means to be a conqueror in life and a conqueror by the power of the Spirit of God. So hope that you've been tracking with us the last three weeks. We continue on for the next many weeks of walking through the great book, the great Old Testament book of Judges. This morning we come to a brand new conqueror, kind of a guy we know very little about. His name is Shamgar. And so with your Bible, would you turn with me please to the book of Judges and go to chapter 3 with me. Judges chapter 3. You'll see there's only one verse given over to poor Shamgar. That's all we know about him is verse 31 alone. So Judges uh, chapter 3, verse 31. If you turn there in your copy of God's Word this morning, if you're kind of new to church and new to the Bible and you have a copy of God's Word, it's the seventh book of the Old Testament. If you don't have a Bible or don't have your smartphone or your iPad with you this morning, maybe someone nice will be next to you today and they'll be glad to share their copy of God's Word. So look at Judges uh, chapter 3, verse 31 with me this morning, please. This is the unknown conqueror. We know so little about this guy. Shamgar. Anybody named Shamgar in here by chance? Anybody planning on naming their son Shamgar? Shamgar. Don't hear about that a whole lot these days. Judges chapter 3, verse 31. After Ehud came, we studied Ehud last week. After Ehud came, Shamgar, the son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. He, too, saved Israel. So after Ehud came Shamgar, the son of Anath, he struck down 600 really terrorist Philistines with an ox goad. He saved Israel. This morning, again, we don't know much about him. We hear his name mentioned right here in Judges chapter 3. And we see it one more time, just a small little mention in Judges chapter 5. And we'll hit that in a few moments and kind of see what the fifth chapter has to say about Shamgar. But this morning, if you're taking notes, you can write these things down. Shamgar's name, it means question mark. We have no idea what it means. Uh, it's actually not even a Hebrew name. It's a Canaanite name. Now, that probably gives great possibility uh, that Shamgar, again, was not a Jew, but a Canaanite from outside of God's chosen people. His name, again, is a Canaanite name. It has no meaning whatsoever to us. Shamgar, again, is not a Jewish name. It's a Canaanite name that has no meaning. Now, you see there in your text in Judges chapter 3, verse 31, that he was the son of Anath. Now, normally in the Bible, of course, and it says the son of somebody, that somebody is that person's father. But that's not the case because Anath is actually a feminine word. It also is the name, a proper name, of a Canaanite pagan goddess. Uh, she was the goddess of sex and war for the Canaanites. And so when it says here that Shamgar, 
probably a, a Canaanite himself, came from Anath, more than likely, or son of Anath, that means that that's the town he was from. Uh, if you were born in Houston, you might be known as a son of Houston or a daughter of Houston. If you are born in Waco, a son of Waco, a daughter of Waco. In the same way, uh, perhaps Shamgar was born in this town that was named for a pagan Canaanite goddess. Her name was Anath. And so kind of a mysterious thing here. We have Shamgar, unknown name, a Canaanite name, coming from probably a city uh, named after a Canaanite goddess by the name of Anath. And so we know very little about this person. Now with that said, what we really see here is a pattern being established for the conquerors, a, a pattern being established for these judges. Let me take you back a few weeks. You see this in your notes that a few weeks ago we looked at Caleb and Othniel. And these two guys were the old outsiders. Right? Caleb was the oldest man in the land. He wasn't even a Jew. He was a Kenizzite. And God says, I want you. Next person that comes along is Caleb's nephew. His name is Othniel. He outlives everybody else in the nation. He's the old guy in the tribe, and God says, I want you. Again, Othniel also is not a Jew. Uh, he was a Kenizzite as well. So the very first two judges of Israel in the book here are the oldest two men, the book of Judges, the oldest two men, and they're both outsiders, not from the Jewish faith and from the Jewish tribe. Then last week we came against a really cool character by the name of Ehud. And Ehud was a left-handed accountant. So he was from the tribe of Benjamin. So he was a Jew. Uh, he was from the tribe of Benjamin. The name Benjamin, Benjamin in Hebrew, means the son of my right hand. And here God chooses a left-handed guy who is actually bringing tribute for 18 years to the fat king Eglon. Remember his name means fat cow. Was bringing this tribute for 18 years to Eglon. And finally God calls him up and says, I want you to be a judge. I want you to be a conqueror for me. So God uses an old man, outsider, an old man, an outsider, Third judge he calls up is Ehud, who is a left-handed accountant. And now we come to Shamgar, who is like some unknown Canaanite with a muddy background. Amazing the people God uses. Outsider, outsider, left-handed accountant. And as far as we can tell here, another outsider, a Canaanite by the name of Shamgar, that we know so little about. His background is a little muddy. Now, don't let it get lost on you this morning that three of the first four judges that God calls to save Israel aren't even Jews themselves. He goes outside of the tribes, outside of the clans, outside of his people, outside of his nation, and brings in these outsiders. He raises them up. They are now men of God. They are conquerors. They're saving Israel. Isn't it interesting who God uses? God didn't use the celebrities of the day. Uh, he didn't call up the Robert Downing Juniors. He didn't call up the Tom Brady's. He didn't call up the Jay-Z's. If that is lost on you, ask your grandkids about that. He didn't call up the people who made the front page of the paper. He didn't call up the Bill Gates or the Warren Buffetts. He didn't call those type of people up. He calls up these outsiders, people that you and I would never choose. Now, why did God not call up those people? Because those people find so much confidence in themselves. They find confidence in their power. They find confidence in their wealth. They find confidence in their position. That's not who God is using here in the Old Testament. You may be here today thinking, you know what, honestly, I don't feel very equipped. Honestly, I don't feel like I'm really ready to be used by God. I don't feel very qualified to be raised up as a conqueror in my generation to, to speak for God and to live out grace and truth on behalf of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. I made a great statement, I believe, for you this morning. It is God who qualifies the unqualified. It is God who equips the unequipped. 
So you may have come in today and your background might be a little bit muddy as well, just like Shamgar's. You may feel like a nobody today, that no one knows you, that you have no influence, that you have no equipping, that you have not enough education, that you're not qualified enough to be a servant of God. This is good news. God qualifies the unqualified. He equips the unequipped. God uses people that you and I would never choose. God loves to call up everyday, normal, unknown nobodies. I'm glad God uses nobodies. That's actually very good news for me personally, that God uses nobodies. God uses people just like us, unknown, everyday, common people. God loves nobodies. And I like that a lot about God. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah spoke to this as well. If you look on the screen behind me, you see the words of God through the prophet of Jeremiah. In chapter 9, verse 23, the prophet Jeremiah said, This is what the Lord says. Do not let the wise boast in their wisdom. Do not let the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord. God often does not call up those who are powerful. God often does not tap those who have great wealth or great position or great knowledge. Who does God use in his kingdom? Those who can boast in this, that we know him. He is the one true God. In fact, the prophet Jeremiah goes on to say that he is God and God alone, the one who exercises his righteousness over all of the earth. That's the spirit of being a conqueror, not that we have any confidence whatsoever in our flesh, but that we have confidence in God. So this morning, I want us to learn a few lessons from this unknown conqueror by the name of Shamgar. Uh, on your notes somewhere, I believe it has this statement, that Shamgar lived in a time of great fear and great uncertainty. It is during those times that God loves to tap people. It is during times of fear, it is during times of great uncertainty that God is looking for men and women to say, I want to use you for my kingdom's cause. I want use you, to use you to be a, a mouthpiece, a voice in the chaos, a voice in the uncertainty, a voice in the middle of the fear. And so here we are in a time of Shamgar where the culture around him was uncertain. People were very fearful around him. And God says it's a perfect time to call up a brand new judge. We know it's a time of fear. You're in Judges chapter 3. Go over about a page and a half and go to Judges chapter 5 with me and go to verse 6. Judges chapter 5, verse 6, there was great uncertainty in the land at the time, great fear there in Israel at that time. Look at Judges chapter 5, verse 6. This is the only other time the name of Shamgar is even mentioned. Judges chapter 5, verse 6. Again, here's our hero, our conqueror for the morning. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, probably again from the city of Anath, named after a Canaanite pagan goddess. In the days of Jael, the roads were abandoned. And travelers took to winding paths. Now that's the NIV. Um, your translation, if it's different than NIV, may look a little bit different than that. A few different words. I think a lot of the, the older translations, maybe King James, New King James, uses the word highways and byways there. It says that the highways were abandoned and everybody had to take to, to the byways. One of your translations, it says that they had to go to the twisting roads. But if you have the New American Standard, what does it say there? They weren't on the highways, the major thoroughfares. It says they had to take to the what? To the roundabouts. Must have been uh, an English translation. The roundabouts. It's like the circle here in Waco. What that is, in fact, if you grew up here in the south, 
you, you know what's going on. If you grew up around some, some forest or some woods, you'll probably understand this passage. What the Bible is saying right here is everybody was afraid to be on the main roads, so they took the farm-to-market roads. They took the little trails through, through the woods, the, the roads, the trails, the paths that no one else was taking. Now, why were they taking the winding paths, the twisting paths, the roundabouts? Because everyone was too afraid to be on the major highways. The Philistines, again, I think I mentioned this earlier, were kind of like our modern-day terrorists. Um, even though Israel was living at this time in 80 years of peace um, after Ehud had come in and had conquered Eglon, the Moabites had dispersed and gone back on the other side of the Dead Sea. There was peace for 80 years, but even in the middle of that 80-year peace, the Philistines, like terrorists, would come in like guerrilla warfare. They would attack Israel, and they would go back. They would attack Israel, kill some people, take some land, take some livestock, and then they would, they would go back. And so there are like these terrorists coming in all the time, even in the middle of this 80 years of, of peace under Ehud. And so here at this time, there's still fear in the land. People are afraid to take the main thoroughfares. They're afraid to be out in public. There was great fear and great uncertainty in the land. God always loves to tap people when there's fear. He always loves to call up people when there's uncertainty all around to use that person, whether it be a man or a woman, to be the voice of God, the voice of truth, and the voice of grace. Let me just ask you right now, is your family going through a tough time? If you're a college student, maybe your family back home is going through a difficult time. What if God is asking you right now in the middle of that uncertainty, in the middle of that fear, in the middle of that difficulty for you to be the voice of God? For you to be the voice of peace, the voice of grace, the voice of encouragement. Many of you in the, in the workforce, perhaps you work in an office or you work in an industry or you work in an organization and maybe people all around you are very demoralized. They're, they're upset, they're frustrated. The last place they want to be is at work. What if in the middle of that fear, in the middle of that uncertainty, God is calling you, tapping you to be a voice of courage, a voice that speaks for God? God always calls up people during times of fear and during times of uncertainty. There may be great chaos in your dorm room. There may be great chaos in your apartment. There may be great chaos in your household right now. What if God is asking you to be the voice of peace, the voice of Christ? Because God loves to tap people, to call up people in the times of fear and uncertainty. So here's what's going on. Let me give you three points this morning because I'm a Baptist preacher. I always speak in threes. Here's the first thing I want you to know. Shamgar didn't wait for a better time to be used by God. Shamgar didn't wait for a better time to be used by God. And we'll get a little bit more into the story here in just a second. But we can actually learn a lot about Shamgar just in that one verse in Judges chapter 3, verse 31. He didn't wait for a better time to be used by God. He was willing on that day, in that moment... To be used by the Lord. It wasn't necessarily a great time for Israel to go to battle. It wasn't necessarily the best time for, uh, for the terrorists to come, the Philistines to come into the land. Let me show you why it would not have been the best time for that to happen. If you're still in Judges chapter 5 and you're in verse 6, go two verses down to Judges chapter 5 verse 8. Look what the Bible says. It's kind of a disheartening verse actually. It's speaking of the Israelites. When they chose new gods, which happened all the time in Israel, war came to the city gates. You would think they would make that connection. When Israel would choose new gods, chase after other loves, war came to the city gates, and not a shield or a spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. 
uh, for, for uh, Shamgar, it wasn't the best of times to, to go to war, to fight against the Philistines. They didn't have swords. They didn't have shields. Uh, you're there in Judges chapter 5. Go over about 15 pages and go to 1 Samuel with me, please. Go to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 13. I want you to see why it probably wasn't the best time for Shamgar to enter into battle. It wasn't the best time for the terrorists to be coming in to Israel. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 13 with me. Jump down to verse 19. I love the sound of your pages turning. 1 Samuel 13, go to verse 19. This was the condition. This was the fear. This was the uncertainty. Shamgar wasn't waiting for a better time to be used by God. Look at 1 Samuel 13, verse 19. Not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel. Because the Philistines, again, kind of our terrorists of the day, they had said, otherwise the Hebrews will make swords or spears. So all of Israel had to go down to the Philistines to have their plowshares, their mattocks, their axes, their sickles sharpened. The price was two-thirds of a shekel for sharpening plowshares and mattocks and a third of a shekel for sharpening forks and axes and for repointing goads. Now, I kind of give you that picture for you to understand that at that time, Israel didn't have weapons. They didn't have swords for every man. They didn't have shields for every man. And so certainly Shamgar could have said, there would be a much better time, God, for us to go to war, a much better time for us to deal with these Philistines. But instead of saying that, Shamgar rose to the moment and said, I want to be used by God right now. Let me get real personal with several of you for a moment. How many in this room keep thinking, well, once I get a job, I'm really going to serve the Lord. Or once I get through with my education, once I pay off the debt of my education, then I will really serve the Lord. Once we have kids or once the kids are older or once the kids are out of the house, then I will really serve the Lord. Once I get a little bit more education, a few more zeros on my paycheck, once I actually have a house of my own, once I settle down, once I have that family I've always wanted, once sometime in the future, once we get there, I will serve the Lord. That's not what Shamgar said. That's not how Shamgar lived. He didn't wait for a better time to serve the Lord. Now let me get more personal than that because a lot of you here today as college students, you feel a call into ministry. You know that God has placed a call in your life to be a pastor one day, to be a worship pastor one day, to be a children's minister one day, to be a missionary one day. And here's my word. Anytime a college student comes to me and says, I feel, pastor, this call in my life to be a minister, just understand, here's what I'm going to say back to you. Then what are you doing right now? Who are you discipling right now? Who are you teaching God's word to right now? How are you serving the body of Christ right now? So that's fair warning. Some of you aren't going to say that to me, are you? You're not going to go, man, this guy's kind of mean about this. No, I'm just saying, if instead of you waiting for the day, some day in the future, some perfect day, which, by the way, never comes, some perfect day that you're waiting for to finally serve the Lord, and you're just waiting for one more piece of information or one more addiction to get over, or you're just kind of waiting for one more thing to happen in your life, and then you say, God, then I'll serve you one day. There's a Greek word for that. You ready? Baloney. <laughs> Maybe it's an English word. I'm not sure. We give so many excuses to God, not Shamgar. Not Shamgar. He says, this is a great time to serve God. He didn't wait for a better time. Number two, here it is. God used Shamgar. Wow, this is huge. Because he was already diligent in his work. He was already diligent in his work. Now, we may have to take a few suppositions here, a few assumptions here, uh, here in the story. But, but the ox goad 
that Shamgar used to slay the 600, just understand it is not a weapon of war. It was a farming utensil, actually. Uh, this past weekend, my son Caleb and I, we made an ox goad together. And so I'll show you this ox goad. An ox goad would just be a piece of wood. And on one end, it would be pointed. So my son made a little point on one end. The other end would be a piece of, of metal. So we just took a shovel from Home Depot that was made in Vietnam, actually. And we wrapped some rope around it. And we made a little ox goad. Now, on one side of the ox goad, you have this point, And this is what you would goad the ox with, right? The word goad means you prod something along. So an ox goad would then, you would kind of poke the, the back of that ox with this goad and it would move your livestock on along. Now on the metal piece, the small piece of metal, which ironically we already heard from 1 Samuel 13, Shamgar would have to take this piece of metal down to the Philistines and for one third of a shekel, I believe was the cost that we read about earlier in 1 Samuel 13, the Philistines would actually sharpen this uh, this ox goad for Shamgar. Then he went back into the field. Now the metal was used to clean a plow. And so Shamgar would have been a farmer. He would have been out in the fields and this ox goad that he would have had would have been goading the ox that was pulling the plow in front of him. With the metal part, he would clean that plow. In fact, if you're from the really deep south, that's actually an expression. To clean someone's plow means you whip them up, right? It's like to clean someone's clock, to clean someone's plow. Like on Friday, Baylor uh, clean the plow of buffalo, right? That's kind of that same expression there. You clean somebody's plow, you absolutely overwhelm them. That comes all the way back, I guess, to Shamgar and the ox goat here of cleaning somebody's plow. And so here is Shamgar out in the field. He is probably plowing away. He has an ox goat in one of his hands. He has probably the reins to the ox in the other hand. He is going through the field. He is plowing the field. He is diligent at work. So important. Diligent at work when God called him up. Consider with me, church, that God always uses those who are already working and laboring in his vineyard and working for him and working in the kingdom and serving other people. Just consider with me that Moses, when he was tapped by God to save the Israelite children, he was shepherding on the backside of the mountain. When David was tapped to go and kill Goliath, he was actually running errands for his father, bringing cheese to the front lines for his brother. When David was tapped to be the king of Israel, one of the kings of Israel, he was actually a shepherd himself. Uh, Joseph was running an errand for his father. Gideon was down in a wine press when God called him up. Uh, we believe that Shamgar was plowing in the field. God always uses those who are diligent. Write this down somewhere. God doesn't use lazy people. He doesn't use lazy people. And I wonder at times there's people who are sitting around going, God, I'm just waiting for the day that you're going you're gonna to raise me up to be a leader. And until then, I'm going to take a lot of naps and play a lot of video games and read a lot of worthless books and do nothing with my life, but God, please use me one day. Let me just tell you, based on God's word, he doesn't use lazy people. He uses people who are serving him. He uses people who are diligent at work. And I believe we can capture from this one little sentence right here, because of the weapon that day uh, that Shamgar used, that he was out in the field, he was plowing the field, he was a man who was diligent in his work, he just happened to have an ox goad with him. God used Shamgar because he was diligent in his work. Third and last thing, Shamgar used what God had given him. He used what he had in his hands. Can I tell you again that that's not, this ox goad is not a weapon that you would use to fight battles with. 
I don't know about you, but I have this great imagination. I see this, this man, in fact, in my mind, he's a little older, maybe because Caleb was older and Othnal was older. This old man like a ninja out there with this ox goat, swinging that thing around and knocking over 600 people, like little Yoda with a lightsaber, and out there just slaying these 600 people. Let me just tell you, that was not the ox goad. It wasn't Shamgar. It was the power of God on Shamgar that gave him the strength that day to use a farm uh, farm equipment, a piece of farm equipment to slay 600 terroristic Philistines who had come into the land. He used what he had in his hands. Now you may still be over in 1 Samuel. You may be somewhere in Judges chapter 5. Would you find your way back one more time to Judges chapter 3 and look at verse 31 with me once more? Because I want you to see what God did with a man who simply had a piece of farm equipment in his hand. One more time, chapter 3, verse 31. After Ehud came, Shamgar, son of Anath, excuse me, after Ehud, comma, came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goat. I love the last four words in the NIV. He, too, saved Israel. With what God had given him and what he had in his hands. Don't let me lose you. What has God given you? What do you have in your hands? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has given you at least a spiritual gift, usually two, three, or four spiritual gifts. I'm asking you today, what has God given you? What do you have in your hands? If he's given you a singing voice, you sing for God. If he's given you a spirit of hospitality, then you serve others for the glory of God. If you're a nice person and have a kind smile, would you serve on the welcome team here at Highland? If you're not a kind person and don't have a good smile, would you not sign up for the welcome team here at Highland? We'll make the opposite true as well. What do you have in your hands? A, a paycheck? Can I encourage you to set a portion of that aside for God and for his kingdom? I know there's a large group of under 25-year-olds here in the church. Let me just say something that's going to step on your toes. If you won't give to God while making $50 a month, you're not going to give to God when you make $50,000 a year. Because it's a heart issue. What does God place in your hands? A gift? A personality? An ability? Some time? A passion? Some energy? Some enthusiasm? What has God placed in your hands? That's all Shamgar used. What God had given him and what God had placed in his hands. For many of us today, we'll need to simply say this. God, I surrender. I surrender the things that you gave me in the first place. I surrender my gifts. I surrender my giftedness. I surrender my personality, I surrender my agenda, I surrender my schedule, I surrender my past, I surrender today, I surrender my future. The question that I give to you this morning, and I plead with you, wrestle with it. What has God given you? What has he placed in your hands? And are you willing to surrender it all to him? Would you bow your head with me, please? Let's pray.
father a short story about a guy that has a muddy background, a nobody, an unknown. Shamgar reminds me of myself, reminds me of most who are here today, just nobodies. But nobodies who desire to be used by your kingdom and for the king. Father, I thank you that Shamgar did not wait for a better time. How many of us in this room, we just keep waiting for a better time to be used by God when we're not so busy, we're not so broke, we're not so overwhelmed, we're not so uneducated. And Father, all through your scripture, we see the best time to surrender to Jesus is today. God, how many of us in this room, we, we sit back and we wait to be used And so we're lazy, we sleep all the time, we do useless things, we waste our time, we don't redeem the clock. God, all through Scripture, in the Old Testament especially, you call up people who are already diligent, who are busy with their hands, who are disciplined. Father, I think it's a true statement, you don't use lazy people, so God, put us to work. Not to be saved, but God, because we are saved. God, help our our lives to shine to the glory of God. Father, help us to use whatever you have given us. And there are different gifts here today, praise God. Different personalities, really praise God. We're different. God, we are to use whatever you have placed in our hands, whatever you have given us. Father, give us a spirit this morning of surrender. Not even a spirit of commitment. I'm kind of tired of commitment, God. It's just time for surrender. Lord, give us a spirit of surrender this morning, just to lay everything down, to give everything up, to put it back at the feet of the one who gave it to us in the first place. So now, Father, give us grace and wisdom to respond now to your word that has gone out. Through Christ Jesus we pray, amen.